0: Hey everybody, welcome to the We're Born for This podcast with Father John Ricardo, Mary Gilfoyle. We're a couple of missionaries with Acts 29. And this is the podcast where we talk about anything and everything having to do with transformation in the church. Hey, belated happy birthday, Mary.
1: Thank you, Father John. 35, right? <laughs> 35 years young. In my heart, maybe my, my body tells me otherwise. In your
0: spirit. <laughs> well, you know what? Uh the church continually grows young. That's one of my favorite expressions of pope benedict and uh i guess we do too so you're continually growing young and you know what in the grand scheme of things uh you're going to live forever so you're you're just a zygote
1: may it be so oh it's so it just depends
0: on where right (laughs) Right. that's we're all going to live forever so uh what's our topic today because uh speaking of growing young we're going to talk about um something better someone who enables us to do that right
1: amen so today's topic is why does he do it
0: Ooh, why does he do it cryptic i like that Let's pray, and then we'll break open uh, this topic, shall we? In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, Heavenly Father, we do thank you for uh, this day, this season right now, uh, this time of year, this opportunity to please God for uh, many people, get somewhat of a rest anyway, uh, just to take the time to enjoy the summer months, the longer days, the great gift of warmth, uh, hopefully a chance to get some sort of a break, Lord, we pray that uh, even if that's not possible for some of us, that even now, in this conversation, you would refresh us with the grace of your Holy Spirit, that you would remind us again who Jesus is, what he's done for us, and who we are to you, and what it is that you're asking of us in this world which is so hungry for you, even if it rejects you so often. And so we ask your anointing on our conversation that it would be edifying and encouraging uh, for ourselves and all those who listen. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, you know, uh, I I know we we talk a lot when we're uh, bringing, um, especially our our brother priests on retreat about the Good Samaritan. We often end that way, but we we end that way in the Rescue Project, too. You know, this video experience, which is about to get released uh, later in the summer. And, uh, you know, th- this past Sunday, we had the chance to, to hear the Good Samaritan proclaimed. And unfortunately, that's kind of a overly familiar, familial, wow, I got like the tongue twisting here going on in my mouth. It's an over, we know that parable too well oftentimes, don't we?
1: You're right. And I think what happens, I mean, for, for all of us, if we're really honest, is the, the inclination is to tune out and then I know the story. But I think that negates the power of the Holy Spirit that has something new to teach you, to teach me, to teach us about where we are in our lives right now and how is the Lord speaking to us right now in that parable. And I can tell you uh, myself, Father John, yesterday when I prayed with this, I was convicted. And I hear this all the time. I hear this yep. parable all the time in the in the ministry that we do. Well,
0: it's certainly true for us as priests because we're preaching, you know, on one hand, you could say we're preaching the same text over and over again. But I forget who it is who first made the insight, but the text is always new because where I am when I'm hearing the Word of God at that moment is different than the last time, it's right? It's a new
1: place. That's and, exactly right. You know, right.
0: I always go back to um, to Benedict the Sixteenth, Jesus of Nazareth, um, his trilogy, um, which is just an extraordinary book if, if folks are looking for something to read during these summer months, especially the first volume. But he has a great little section on parables mm-hmm. in there that it might just be worth like listening to this real quick because I think it helps us understand parables in general. And he just says, You know, the parable demands the collaboration of the learner. For not only is something brought close to him, but he himself must enter into the movement of the parable and journey along with it. At this point, this is still Benedict, we begin to see why parables can cause problems. People are sometimes unable to discover the dynamic and let themselves be guided by it. And especially in the case of parables that affect and transform their personal lives, people can be unwilling to be drawn into the required movement. Mm-hmm. And I think for this parable, the parable of the Good Samaritan, um, that's exactly the danger. One, it's too familiar to many of us. Right. Two, I'm really not willing sometimes to let the Lord, he's not just trying to give me information, he's trying to transform me. Uh, by telling this story which uh, we want to try to just break open a little bit and then we want to do it really in light of the the Eucharistic revival that the the bishops in the United States have called for which uh, began uh, just a couple weeks ago now in Corpus Christi right
1: we are yes father John can I go back to something that you just said yeah you said that you know that we have to um, be willing to collaborate right with, with the story what might keep us, from wanting to collaborate. So so I'm, I, I ask that with a particular answer already in mind. And I think that's um, our stony hearts, our cold hearts, like we don't want to change. We don't want to be moved. We don't want to be transformed either because we think things won't change or I'm just not ready for the spirit to take me to a new place. Um, for a whole set of reasons. Yep. Does that make sense?
0: Totally. So uh, you are spot on. He'll let me tell you what Benedict says, just to continue to mm. confirm what you okay. say. Okay. All right. He says so in the parables, Jesus shows us God, not an abstract God, but the God who acts, who intervenes in our lives and wants to take us by the hand. Hmm. He conveys knowledge that makes demands upon us. It not only, or even primarily, adds to what we know. But it changes our lives. And sometimes, quite honestly, we just don't want change. to change. Right? right. You know, wait, wait, wait. the problem's not me. It's you. That's right. Right? It's right. obvious. It's you. How could it possibly so be gonna me? So I'm going to
1: dig in my heels and wait right. till that person changes. Right?
0: Yep. So let's just recap the parable right. real quickly. Right? So so Jesus tells this story to a scholar of the law uh, who is looking to... to um, get an answer that he already, Benedict makes a great observation here, he's like, it's not like the guy doesn't know the answer to the question that he's asking. He knows the answer. What he's asking, he's trying to find out who Jesus is and what Jesus thinks. It's not like this guy's sincerely looking for uh, knowledge, right? And so, of, of course, he, he, he comes to the point where he asks Jesus, um, so who's my neighbor? And this is a relevant question to us right now i think especially in the church like who do i have to consider to be my neighbor and jesus is going to flip this question on its head and so jesus replies a man fell victim to robbers as he went down from jerusalem to jericho they stripped and beat him and went off leaving him half dead in other words he has nothing that can identify him He has no clothes. Clothing right. clothing tells you oftentimes who you are, like who you where are, you're where from. you're from, right? Yep. The guy can't talk, so you can't hear either his language or his accent. So the man is, and the, the church has always seen the, this man in the parable this way, the man is me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The man is you. The man is humanity. Humanity is stripped, beaten, and left half dead by the result of the rebellion that we connived in uh, with our enemy at the beginning of our race right and then along comes a priest who passes him by uh, a, a levite passes him by and benedict makes the observation like you, you shouldn't presuppose these are like bad guys who just you know like didn't care you, you i think you were talking as we were uh, preparing for this uh the the insight that he makes that maybe they were afraid like suddenly well, that makes it a little bit more relatable to me. They're not bad. They're afraid, right? For any number of reasons. And I, I was putting myself in
1: that scene as we were talking about this. There's 101 reasons why we might walk past someone, especially today, right? But but, but I but I think sometimes um, that gets contextualized if the person in the ditch is someone we pass on the street rather than maybe being someone closer yeah. in our own lives. It could be family, too. right? That's yeah. exactly right. Absolutely. Right.
0: right? And then along comes this Samaritan traveler. And, you know, we, we just can't grasp this. Uh, you know, we're, we're not, most of us are not uh, Jewish converts to Christianity. We have no concept of the relationship between Jews and Samaritans. These people despised one another, right? So to, for, for Jesus to hold up a Samaritan traveler as a hero is just absolutely absurd. I think one commentator said it'd be like saying, you know, a member of Al-Qaeda uh, mm. is lifted up as a hero to a Jewish audience. I mean, they would just find this absolutely inflammatory and, uh, and nonsensical, right? So the Samaritan traveler comes, and it says, at least in English, he's moved with compassion at the sight, which is just the lamest translation. It's this incredibly visceral response that the man has, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. And the Samaritan traveler is Jesus. Jesus is the one who comes from the outside. Uh, you know. John says in his gospel that mm. you know, um, he came to his own and his own did not accept him. That, that's not like those people, that's, that's me us. sometimes, right? That's you, that's all of us. And so th- Jesus uses this parable, which we know, right? And then he, he says to the man at the very end, so which of these three in your opinion was neighbor to the robber's victim? Now, by asking that question, Jesus flips the question totally upside down. So the question isn't really about who's my neighbor. The question is really about making myself neighbor to everybody. So the question isn't about him or her. The question's about me. Mm. In in other words, like, do I see the other as As myself? myself. Yeah. And, and, And this is why we don't like parables. Because now this is demanding a change in me, right? So maybe let's just take that and and let's apply it to this question, this topic for this episode, why does he do it? And and what we mean by that question is: why does Jesus give himself to us in the Eucharist? What's he intending to bring about? You know, we, we talk all the time about this podcast is about transformation in the church. Well, there's no more powerful means of being transformed. Than what some of us do every single day when we receive the Eucharist, and what, please God, all of us do every week. I'm thinking of the line that um, Jesus said to Augustine when Augustine was going through his conversion about the Eucharist. And and he's just said to him, You know, don't presume this is ordinary food. This is not like stuff that you take and you break down. You're not going to change me into you. I'm going to change you into me. I love that. Right? So, you know, the bishops are trying to help us uh, come to a, a greater understanding of the Eucharist and, and, you know, the temptation for so many of us as Catholics, because we tend to have huge heads, meaning we've got all this knowledge in our brains, and we got little tiny bodies that aren't acting it out, right? So we we got to make sure that we don't let the Eucharist become simply something we know about, and we can we can answer questions about. We, we need to ask the Lord, yeah, but why do you do this? Why are you giving yourself to us? And I might say there's a lot of reasons for that, but there's there's three in a special way that jump out to us, I think, in Acts 29, and we want to highlight one. So the, the three would be, you know, first of all, union, which, I mean, we could do a whole podcast on this, but, you know, this, here's the extraordinary reality. The God who made a universe that's 90 plus billion light years across, wants union with us, which is just uh, too sublime to actually break open in a podcast because it's so intimate. Like, God doesn't just tolerate me. He doesn't just put up with me. Um, and he doesn't, he doesn't even just love me. Uh, Mother Teresa used to say this when she would comment on the words that she painted underneath the the crucifixes in her chapel, I thirst, you know, quoting Jesus in the gospel of john to say i thirst mother would say um doesn't simply mean i love you it means i want you which is just utterly scandalous yeah inconceivable, inconceivable scandalous ridiculous unless it's true like god wants us he, you know what last week we talked about how god wants friendship with us God wants more than friendship with us. God wants to unite us to himself. So that's one of the things he does. But there's there's other things that he does too, right? I mean, what else does he do?
1: Obviously, you know, the sacraments give grace. And that's that supernatural, that super abundant strength that gives us the capacity to be changed. Yeah. Right? To be broken down. Grace, you know, that strength that we need to navigate, to navigate our our, our, our lives and to become who it is—the men and women that He that He calls us to be—and then the—and then the last—the the last, um, the, the, the last uh, thing is, um, I think I don't know if you've said this or if Peter Cravitz has said it, um, but He wants to give us a heart transfusion. He wants to give us His heart. You know, earlier in the conversation, I was talking about these stony hearts that we have. And he wants to take that stony heart and give us fresh heart, his heart, his sacred heart.
0: Yeah, and that that brings us right back to the heart of the parable, and to I think how Benedict. Um, I remember the first. I remember working out, reading this on an elliptical machine, and having to stop when I came across uh, mm. how he interprets this parable. So you know, we we alluded um, earlier to. The, the, the lame translation that we have in, in the English lectionary that when the Samaritan sees this victim who is me, you, every one of us, his heart is moved with compassion or he's moved with compassion at the sight. Here's what Benedict says. Benedict says, his heart is wrenched open I love that. I mean, just think about that. It's—it's it's almost like a vice just rips open his heart at the—the sight of this man, which is to say, God's heart is wrenched open for me, who's utterly helpless, stripped, left half dead, with no chance of being restored on my own, no chance of being whole, no chance of reaching the goal for which I was created. God doesn't, you know, he doesn't get angry. God's heart is wrenched open, so much so that God becomes a man and goes to the cross and has his heart literally wrenched open on the cross by the soldier's lance, which pierces it, right? Which is what you and I feed on when we come to the Eucharist. That's what's in the chalice, which is handed to us. That's what's handed to us or placed on our tongues when we come and receive Jesus in the Eucharist. He gives me his heart. I mean, somebody mentioned to us in a a comment on our podcast uh, all the beautiful testimonies of the Eucharistic miracles that have um, taken place, especially of late, and it's uncanny. I mean, it's just like obviously miraculous that so often when those miracles are subjected to scientific um, studies, it's heart muscle. It's heart
1: muscle,
0: yeah. So the Lord is, is quite, you know, I was going to say quite literally, but it's sacramentally giving me his heart, right? Like something's supposed to change. Like, you,
1: you know, how, I, so this is, so th- there's so much here, but I, I'm just placing myself in a pew every day. And like with new eyes, I'm recognizing that Jesus, the good Samaritan is passing by me every single day at mass
0: that's right
1: that's me i'm not in a ditch but i'm in a pubic interiorly i can be in a ditch and jesus is showing as the good samaritan is showing me mercy he's showing me compassion he's offering healing for my sick soul um he's feeding me yeah right he's he's sheltering me the homelessness that i experience inside myself he's clothing my nakedness he's welcoming me where i am and he's visiting me in these behind these bars of my heart and so even in that moment like it's as though jesus as the good samaritan is making manifest these corporal works of mercy towards me yeah i'm supposed to go out and do likewise so i mean i don't know if i'm missing the mark here father john i'm just I I think as I receive communion this week, I will have a different image in my mind.
0: Yeah, no, you're not missing the mark. This is exactly the point, right? I mean, why does he do it? I mean, yes, union, yes, to give me grace, which is power to change, but but how to change, to have his heart. Here's Benedict one last time. Okay. Struck in his soul by the lightning flash of mercy, he himself now becomes a neighbor heedless of any question or danger. I mean that that's that's what's supposed to happen. Right. You know so like Jesus says, "Do you see what I see as, as I, I see, see it. it?" I think Mary Caucus translates uh, or yeah. in in another uh, parable is 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 breaking open Jesus's words to the disciples, which is to say us in that way. Like that's the Lord's question to us. You know, do you see what I see as I see it? And are you willing to do something? Now, now we all have to discern how to do what the Lord's asking us to do. But the Mass ends with, she is sent. Well, what is she sent to do? She's sent to go bring the love, the mercy, the truth, the kindness, the compassion of Jesus into a world which, I just came across this line the other day, is at one of the same times hungry for and angry at God at the same time. Mm -hmm. And they're only going to come to know him through us and through our witness.
1: So we go do likewise, right, Father John?
0: So go and do likewise. So here's the good news, because this is so crucial that, you know, it's easy to kind of like beat ourselves up right now and go, oh man, I'm just like such such a loser. I can't do this. And I can't do this on my own.
1: Of course we can't. But
0: I'm not on my own and you're not on your own. That's That's the whole point of the fact that the Eucharist is grace. The sacraments give grace no matter how many times we've struggled, how many times we've fallen. The Lord just says, it's okay, let me dust you up, pick you back up, and let's try again. And it's not on me, it's on him. I just have to let him live through me, which, oh, by the way, will be the hardest thing I ever do because it means I have to surrender amen but the initiative is his and we don't have to be discouraged and we're 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 waking up today or we're heading out into a world today that is longing for Jesus and the beauty is you and I are gonna have countless opportunities this very day to show him to others and to make ourselves neighbors to them and because this is true do not be afraid God is with you, and you were born for this.